And welcome back to another episode of Top 5. My name is Chance Brown. I'll be your host today. And I am super excited to have our guest for today. I'm going to give the official bio, uh, but then I'm going to give the Chance version of the bio because this guy was super important in my career. Uh, and so uh, just thrilled to have him on the show today. For those of y'all joining us for the first time, Top 5 is a show where we bring on business experts, real estate experts, top producing agents, and we get them to share their top five best practices that you can take some bullet points back to your business and help it grow. My guest today is Chris Smith. He's a USA Today bestselling author of The Conversion Code and People Work. Awesome books. If you don't have them, you should get them. Uh, and the co-founder of Curator, a social media, digital marketing, and sales coaching company that helps businesses grow faster. In less than four years, he used the blueprint in the book, Conversion Code, to grow Curator to over $10 million in annual revenue, recurring revenue. His work's been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, and many other public publications. Before starting that, he worked for two billionaires, uh, Dan Gilbert and Lou Perlman, a near-billion-dollar publicly traded company in Move, Inc., and a startup, Dot, Dot Loop, that was eventually bought by Zillow for over $100 million. Uh, People Work, his first book, raised over $73,000 on Kickstarter, more than 50,000 copies in circulation, and received endorsements from the CEO of Zappos and Gary Vaynerchuk, who wrote the foreword. He's a highly sought-after keynote speaker and a perennial appearer on the most influential people in real estate lists. Um, and I'm going to give my version of the bio here, which is, had it not been for guys like Chris, because when I started, Chris was running a blog called The Tech Savvy Agent, which was... Mm -hmm a lifesaver for me coming into the industry. And if it hadn't been for guys like Chris and Jimmy Mackin and Pacinelli and Jay Thompson, I, I mentioned on the episode we did with Jay that, you know, if it wasn't for him and guys like Chris, that I don't know that I would still be in the industry today. So Chris, welcome. We're super excited. I'm super excited to have you here because I get to interview some of my heroes in the industry and it's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, that bio, I, you know, I'm proud every time I hear it just because I had so many different experiences that sort of led to me where I'm at. But when you do public speaking and they pay you, uh, you know, not a lot of speakers actually get paid. I get paid when I give speeches. And so they want that they want that hype bio. You know, they want oh, the yeah, crowd absolutely. to be pumped that the person coming out is is a true expert. So uh, probably a little longer than it should have been. But thank you for reading it all off. Yeah, no, it's great, man. Uh, like I said, if, if I can go back to the tech savvy agent, like tech savvy agent, Phoenix real estate guy, yeah. um, the thousand watt guys, I mean, mm -hmm. they, you know, those were the ones I just devoured all of that. And then when yeah. we all started doing the water cooler podcast, mm -hmm. I was like, I'm, I watched every single one of them. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. The, those, in, in some ways, those were the good old days because I, back then, Chance, there was like a large percentage of the industry that thought everything we were teaching and doing was actually like a distraction and a waste of time. So people like the traditional coaches in the industry were telling all their clients not to use Facebook. You know, right. they were saying not to be on social media. It's a time suck. It's a distraction. They would say a lot of times like technology is not going to change the industry, like quit, quit focusing on it. And we were just like, I, I think you're kind of wrong. Like, I love technology. That's where all that came from, Chance, is like me and Passanelli and Jimmy, when we would hang out, and Jay Thompson too, I mean, we've all hung out tons of times at conferences, we would do what we just call geeking out. And it would just be like, Passanelli takes out his phone and shows me the three new apps he's using, and I do the same, and Jimmy does the same. And then, you know, it, it, it's our passion, 
right? So that's why A, it, it worked well because we didn't like stop being passionate about it like a fad. Uh, and then we know our stuff and we evolve, right? Like it sucked when tech savvy agent ended. It yeah. sucked when the water cooler ended. I feel the pressure now for like conversion code two, right? Right. But we'd like to think that we're just constantly forward thinking, but also very practical. I mean, you know, we, we love technology because it makes our business better and because it helps us make more money. Like, you know, we've always thought of social media as an acquisition channel, you know, not just your friends and family, you know, like, so we love it, but we love it because we love business and we've just had it for ourselves and our customers and, and our fans. There's just too many examples of agents embracing tech and growing quickly because of it and, and letting it be their differentiator, which is always so hard to find. Right. I remember the days when, you know, you were told social media is just this thing and it's nice and maybe it's a little bit of an extension of your branding, but it's so hard to put an ROI on social media. Yeah. Right. And that was the conventional stay away from social media, do your traditional farming, do your traditional make phone calls, all of that, because there was no way to measure ROI. Yeah. Well, and now it's obviously a lot easier to measure ROI digital than ROI uh, of a billboard or, or something like that. Obviously, you know how many people called, but branding and marketing are sort of synonymous with not sure if it's working, right. but I'm doing real good and I'm growing, right. but I'm not sure if it's working, but man, I keep growing the more I do it. So a lot of it's trust. I, I call it your gut and your growth. Like, do you feel good about the work you're putting out there to the world? And are you growing? And if it's yes and yes, keep going, keep going, keep going. Absolutely. Because you could like analytics yourself to death. You know what I mean? You could question, what's the cost per lead? What's the click-through rate? What's the conversion rate? What's the ROI going to be? None of those people win right. that, that ask those questions. They all cancel. They all give up yep. because they don't understand that it's it's not just this one lead that came in that said, I'll buy a house tomorrow, let's go. That's not what marketing is. You yeah. know, maybe Zillow, a lead source is that, but marketing, branding, social, video, email marketing, content marketing, all of that stuff is sort of priceless and hard to figure out uh, if it has a price, which is ironic. So a lot of people stay away from it because they can't calculate the ROI. Right. And yeah, I kind of look at it as to me, a Zillow is more advertising, right? It's it's designed to create that direct response immediately mm -hmm. where social is, is that marketing. It's that branding. It's a, it's a long-term approach. It's the fact that Coca-Cola hasn't changed its logo in a hundred plus years. You know, it's mm -hmm. that kind of marketing branding is the long lens where advertising is the, I need a response right now. Mm -hmm. And you should do both. I mean, to be clear, if you right. have the budget yeah, yeah. and resources, like, Companies do both, you know, right. they build funnels and they build, you know, fan pages, right? Like it's, it's sort of equally important. Absolutely. All right. So we're going to jump into the top five tips um, as it will probably shock nobody. Uh, we're going to talk about lead conversion because that's Chris's jam, right? Conversion code came out of, seriously, if you have not read this book, you need to read this book if you're in the real estate industry. Uh, and so we're going to talk about lead conversion, specifically when it comes to uh, utilizing some tech and utilizing digital lead conversion. And, you know, I am of the belief and I've Verl Workman, uh, who I've heard speak a bunch of times on this, talks about it all the time, is 
In our industry, we have no shortage of opportunities for lead generation. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times you see agents, they get super distracted by all these fancy new types of trying to buy this service or do this or do that when it comes to lead gen, but they don't have the systems and processes in place in their business to actually convert the lead, which all you end up doing is setting money on fire if all you're doing is lead gen, but you don't have a way to convert, right? Mm -hmm. So I asked Chris to come on today and we're going to talk about some things when it comes to digital lead conversion. Yeah, I'd love to. Awesome. All right. So the first one on our list is retargeting using dynamic listings. Mm -hmm. So before you explain what dynamic listings are, will you explain what retargeting is to people who may not know? Yeah, just to keep it really simple, it's when you know people visit your website or engage with your marketing, and then that basically puts them into a new audience to see more of your marketing. So, you know, you go to Amazon, you look at an item, you go to read ESPN.com and there's an ad for that item, right? It's, it's basically Stalker you know, advertising that follows you around after you have visited a, a website or on social. It's like you, maybe you liked a post or followed a page. Like, so you take an action that triggers ads uh, staying in front of you for a certain amount of time. Okay. So we're talking about retargeting with dynamic, dynamic listings. What does that look like? Yeah. So this one is, you know, I hate, I, I kind of put this one at the front of the list here because you can't, there's no DIY for this one. Okay. okay. The rest you can DIY. So, but for the first one, you would need a technology partner or vendor that offered this as a part of what their software and solutions does. And the good companies do. You know, Curator does, Chime does, Boomtown does, Commissions Inc. does, Ylopo does. Like for, for a really smart technology company, dynamic ad retargeting with listings is, is definitely part of the stack. What it does is it takes into account the places, prices, beds, bath, amenities, basically when somebody's on your IDX and on your website looking at listings, it then shows them more listings, just like the ones they're looking at, but when they go back to social media. So it's like, I'm on your website for whatever reason, I look at seven different listings, the technology kind of looks at the, the commonalities in the listings I viewed, and then it goes in the MLS right then and it pulls in, call it, five listings like the ones I looked at. And now when I'm on Facebook, I see listings, but they're in the price I was shopping in. Like they're, they're super relevant. So it, there's a lot of sort of underlying technology that makes all of this possible, of course. But it, you know, the way I think of it, honestly, Chance, is when you're on a listing details page, no matter what site you're on, there's always like listings like this. There's like always right. like a widget, right? right? Every site does that. This is basically like taking that widget of like listings like this one and following them on Facebook and Instagram with it to get them to click back, to revisit, to come back to the site again, uh, to continue their browsing using your site. And it works really well. The thing I'll say about retargeting too is it's fairly inexpensive as far as the cost of the ads to do it because you're only doing it for like kind of a small group of people that have already visited. So it's not like you're trying to reach the 30,000 people in your market. You're trying to reach the 300 or 3,000 that have actually been to your website recently. 
So the, the cost makes it a no brainer, but some of the wires are a little complicated. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So the next piece of this is in the same vein, mm-hmm. item number two is retargeting, but retargeting this time with branded ads. Yeah. This is the one I think like has one of the biggest upsides. And, you know, when you think about sort of, you talk about tech savvy agent, like, Hey, everybody, social media is important. Pay attention. Right. Hey, everybody, video is important. Hey, everybody, mobile's important. Right. Hey, everybody, landing pages and generating leads is important. And right. Right now that sort of if you were to say, Chris, what's the next five to 10 years, what do I invest in? You know, you've, you've been pretty good of like figuring that stuff out. It's, it's building your personal brand. It's building your brand so that you have true inbound leads. You know, the right now, the status quo is run an ad, send them to your search, force them to register and bother the shit out of them for a while to try to get them to, to, to convert. Right. Yep. That's not the future. I, I just don't think that's the future because consumers don't like that approach, first of all. And anybody that wants to truly build their brand and become a household name would never push away 90% of their traffic. Like Zillow's a household name. They don't force anyone to register, <laughs> like ever. And they get a premium for their leads because the lead is actually saying, contact me, like realtor face this is who's going to contact you and they hit submit. That's a good lead source because the people trust Zillow, they love the brand and they're opting in for real to be called. If there's any website that I go to that wants to pay gate me, I'm out immediately. Mm -hmm. It's an automatic disqualifier for me, even if I want their stuff. Yeah. And by the way, I, I mean, I hate to say this, but sometimes I feel like the smarter you are, the more likely that would be. It's almost like you can kind of trick some people that don't care that sort of fill their information out on any website. By the way, they use like their third email. They never check. And you wonder why they never open your drips. So for me, like back to the branded retargeting, which anyone here can do this. There's two ways to really do it would be the Google display network or through a company called AdRoll. You know, those are sort of the platforms you load all the ads and that you basically say, show these when when this happens. The, the thing about the Google Display Network is you can actually put those ads on people's computers all over town that didn't visit. Gotcha. So that's more of a pure like billboard branding. I want to put my marketing, my branding, my face on every computer that I can in this area. That's like the display network that Google will go find that those spots for you. But then you can also trigger the, the retargeting based on the visit. Uh, I think that it is so hard to get traffic and attention and clicks and awareness for your brand that when you get it, like when you get a bite, you know, sometimes you have to reel in for a really long time before you have the fish, especially like these guys that are deep sea fishing that I see down the road here. I mean, they're out there for an hour and a half, like wheeling it in. Right. Right. So right. when when you get that little nibble, let's call it, which is the website visitor, the Facebook like, the Instagram follower, you know, the blog reader, the email list joiner, whatever it is, right? When you get that little indication, you have to say, okay, great. Right now, for this moment in time, I have this person's attention and they sort of know I exist. I need them to keep knowing that I exist. 
Now that they've shown intention, now that there's a nibble, I need to reel them in. I'm going to do that by putting my brand in a beautiful way with great design, great copy, right? That's the curator part of it, just to be clear, because you could put the ad in front of people if it's ugly and it doesn't do anything and the copy's terrible, like then it's sort of the opposite effect. But you see that all the time. Most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I literally own an eight-figure annual revenue business because real estate agents are so bad at marketing. Right. Like it, that's literally why Curator was born and exists because it's like, I don't like doing it. I don't have time to do it. And you guys are way better at it than me anyway. Here's my money. Like that, that's sort of the pitch for Curator. So yeah, we see the average and we see the excellent. And it is, it is a really big difference because <clears throat> you're staying in front of people the goal is to get them to come back, but the ultimate goal is to get them to hit you up. Yeah. Right. Like right. you want your, think of like your contact me page or even your social media inbox. You want to think about that. Them doing that is probably at the quality or higher of that Zillow contact me. Right. So it's the same concept. Contact me, hit me up. I'm, I want to talk to you. I'm interested. Let's set up a call, but it's coming through your own digital assets not an advertising, you know, media company portal. Um, that's that's what I would be trying to figure out. And that's what building your brand does. It creates people going, okay, these guys are obviously legit. I see their stuff everywhere. Like they're on the short list of who I'm going to call. Right. That's, that's where you want to be in the future. Right. Yeah. I have one of my best friends is thinking about selling his house in Austin. Mm-hmm. Um, we have another friend who is a realtor in Austin. But he is debating between calling that friend or calling the person whose brand he sees everywhere around his yeah. house. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's important. And then, you know, the other thing I would tell you on this from, from my standpoint is if you're getting that inbound lead, it's coming mm-hmm. just to you as opposed to a lot of these syndicated sites yeah. where they may be sending a lead when they click that button on Zillow, it might be going to three different people. Sure. You know, wherever this is just, yeah, it's like a lending tree. It's like, you know, and then they get bombarded and then they're even less likely to want to pick up. They regret doing it. Exactly. (laughs) You know, exactly like that. Yeah, you're right. It's a, it's a inbound lead and it's an exclusive lead. Uh, And it's a conversation because you have to remember now, like them actually showing up to the appointment that you set with them goes up and then them actually signing the contract goes up. You know what I mean? Like when you right. start up there's here with brand thing. and really good marketing that w- there's a thing called the demand waterfall, which is people sort of falling off at all these steps of the process. Right. And it, it happens for real people no show appointments and cancel them. People, you know, hear you out, but then don't sign with you. Right. This is how it works. Yep. So when they're coming in and they're they're sort of sold on your brand, they're sold on your marketing, they're sold on you, you don't have to jump through as many hoops, exactly. you know? Yeah, exactly. So can I not I don't want to get off on a on a too technical of a rabbit hole here, mm-hmm. but out of curiosity, when we talk about retargeting, one of the things that we have seen kind of you know explode in popularity over the last couple of years mm-hmm. um, due to internet security and privacy issues is the use of people, people using VPNs. Yeah. How does that screw with that Google display network if their IP address is now in New York, but they're in Phoenix? Yeah, it screws with it. I mean, 
You know what I mean? It, it would be kind of like saying, how do I know when I mail postcards to a neighborhood that some of the folks aren't, you know, up north for the summer? Right. Okay. So, we you, don't, you know, there's always going to be a... It's not that high a percentage or anything? It shouldn't be. I, I mean... I mean, I, I mean, people are using VPNs, but I don't think everyone is, no. <laughs> you know, and then I think largely it's people for work that have to, but yeah, with the, with the sort of remote people, work life, there's probably more than ever. There are people um, watching this and hitting pause right now and going and Googling what a VPN is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I used to have to do one when I worked for a publicly traded company and I, I wasn't in the same town as them, but right. I would say there's always going to be spillage. Whether it's a Facebook ad or an email you send or a display ad you run, you know, there's always going to be like a, a spillage yep. that is, is sort of bad that you, you don't want to pay too much attention to or else you would just pull out and quite honestly never do anything because there's always going to be a few wasted dollars along the path, you know? Right. Absolutely. So moving on to our third of our five best practices. And this is one that I think, you know, there's a ton of opportunity in. And I also think there's probably a lot of friction um, Mm -hmm. from realtors because they're control freaks by nature. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the idea of somebody, you know, it's the, it's the argument I have with my agents where they come to me and they say, well, I think I need to hire an assistant. I'm like, well, if you think you need to hire an assistant, you Mm -hmm. needed to hire one six months ago. Sure. Right. Um, but they don't know how to train them. They don't know how, they don't mm-hmm. want to give up control of this. They're afraid, you know, nobody loves your baby like you, like you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we talk about artificial intelligence, doing things in our business for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I look at it as enormous efficiency and a huge time saver. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm starting to see it showing up in different CRMs and things like that, but specifically yeah. like chat bots, mm-hmm. those kind of things. Yeah. Thoughts on that. Yeah, it's a it's such an interesting space because again, sort of conversion code, even just being a few years old, you know, the, the that part of it and a lot of the stuff we're talking about just it isn't it might not have existed, but it wasn't you know sort of executable for for the right. regular person. So with AI and and with uh, a chatbot specifically. There's, there's good and bad ways to use those. And I, I think right now, you're sort of in that middle phase where it's like, it kind of gets part of the job done, but it also kind of messes up a lot. Like, and what when that happens, it's, it's for one simple reason. It's trying to pretend to be a human, okay? So when the, when the chat bot pretends it's a person, it can go off the rails. Right. When the chat bot makes it really clear, like, Hey, this is Chris. I'm, I'm an AI chat bot. I work with Judy. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you have questions, you can reply and then she'll hop in. Yeah. Cool. Huh? You know what I mean? Like, I think you can do some of that stuff. And then obviously with like e-commerce or purchasing things on the internet, like, you know, customer support on a website, you know, what are you looking for today? Like everyone that comes looks for these three, choose one. Okay. Now that you chose that, like there's a place in the world for them, but they're not ready to replace people. Right. So at the same time, if you've got leads coming in and you're not doing any follow-up at all, you know, something is definitely better than nothing. 
So I've actually seen a lot of solo agents say, you know what, I want to do lead gen and I want to use the internet to grow my business, but I'm, I'm buried and there's no way I can call any of these leads. So I'm going to turn on the AI and see what happens. And it leads to some deals, yeah. right? And, but- Something is better than nothing. But I think the, the winner here currently is more of like the cyborg, which is there's technology, of course, because you have to communicate with people really quickly in real time. But then it's almost like it's, it's, it's like it's a drone, but there's a pilot in Vegas really flying it. See what I'm saying? Right. right. Th- that I think is probably the best approach. Like there's a company that we work with called Smart Alto, and it's literally human beings that will reply to your leads in less than 90 seconds, 24-7, and have you know text message conversations. And their goal is to set the appointment for you and qualify for you. So, and I can just tell you that when you when you upgrade sort of to the human level, it costs a little bit more and it's more effective. So if you you know, I would say that's a really good thing when it comes to conversion is that I can invest in leads, I can turn on my funnels, buy leads, and go to one of these ISA services, these text message lead follow up services, and I can I can basically get the leads to get filtered, and I can get appointments, and I don't have to touch it. That's a that's a very attractive idea, and Especially then of course it's like graveyard of leads, right? Mm-hmm. You've got these people you haven't talked to or, or even reached out or put in your CRM. Nothing's happened to them for a year, two years, three mm-hmm. years. Yeah, you know, I've got a buddy in Wisconsin who runs a, a great team. They've got really amazing systems, but they had a couple of thousand people who had been in their database forever. There not been any real interaction, mm-hmm. and this was right at the time when sort of batch texting became a thing. Yeah, uh, and so they stuck all two thousand in mm-hmm. this batch text vehicle, sent out a text, and I mean, he spent the next four days on the phone. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, you know, in in my book, it says SMS is greater than email. You know, that's actually something ironically that when I first started teaching that everybody was pushing back on that as well. Like they didn't think it was professional to text someone. It's like, wake up. We see our highest response rates. I think it's uh, not professional not to. Right. Like to not make text communication an option when you're helping me sell my house, like get out of here. I mean, how many of us let this thing out of our, out of our sight for more than, you know, when our eyes are closed at night? Yeah. I mean, I put it face down for interviews like this, but besides that, you know, typically would, would know when it went off. So yeah, like whether it's AI chat bot, a, a text messaging service, an ISA service, an ISA on your team, the, the sort of statement I would make about this to sum up that that part of conversion would be successful real estate agents should never call a lead. Like, I also not really sold that it should be your buyer's agents that do the lead follow up either, because they're also not usually suited for that particular role. But that would be something that would, would, you know, if you take any of our clients that are successful and you go make them dial for dollars, like our clients didn't get into real estate to be telemarketers chance. Right. It's not their goal. Like, you know, so, th- so I, I would just say, if you're watching this, like be okay punting that role. Like, like you were mentioning, I don't want to replace myself because I'm real good at this. You ain't real good at that. So don't feel bad. Replace yourself on that one. But if you were really good at it, you wouldn't have all the dead leads that need to be talked to, right? 
Well, part of it is time, just to be clear. Well, like, sure. you know, my book is STS, Speed Tenacity Scripts. You got to call right away. You got to call several times. You got to know what to say when they pick up. Like there's a science to that component. And so it's not really like this thing where it's like, let me hop in every, you know, Tuesday at two and call my database for an hour. Like it, it, successful real estate are busy working with clients. So they don't have the time to do lead follow-up, nor should they, quite frankly, is sort of my point. And yeah, like five, six years ago, you had to hire an ISA. I'm sure you watched all the conversations, hire an ISA. And then now it's sort of like ISA or chatbot or human sort of hybrid. So there's, there's better and more options now, which I think is huge because if you don't turn leads into appointments, you're going to quit doing lead generation. Yep. So you talked about something just a, just a second ago that I want to hit on, mm-hmm. and it's the tenacity piece. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's a huge failure in our industry, and especially when it comes to lead conversion, is we've all been preached speed to lead, speed to lead, speed to lead. And everybody mm-hmm. does that, right? Everybody's got it built into their CRM or whatever that looks like. Sure. When you look at a follow-up campaign, mm-hmm. what's the what, what's the timeline? Because you hear from like Zillow that you know it's 13 mm-hmm. months. Before, between the time somebody hits a button on the website to the mm-hmm. time they actually do. We mm-hmm. preach that you need to be following up for 18 months to two years with the expectation that at some point they're going to call. Mm-hmm. But what are your thoughts on, on that time frame? Yeah. I mean, obviously it's different for every person. I think you can't go into it thinking that everything's 12 or 18 months off or, or no one will do it. Like people just don't think that long-term. People think about their checking account more than their savings account, right? Right. Check it every day, they access it every day. Savings is is sort of a weekly or a monthly uh, thing that you look at. I think of it very simply as now and later, you know, the old candy. Yeah. Like there's a percentage of the leads that are going to do something now. By now, I mean in the next 30, 60, 90, 120 days, right? So there's that sort of, there is the zero to three month, get a listing, get a buyer that that pulls the trigger and buys. Those happen. Right. Those are probably five to 10% of all the conversions. If you do have the tenacity you're mentioning and you continue to call, you continue to follow up, you continue to check in, you continue to stay in front of them. So what happens, you have the now people and that's what everyone's looking for. And then as soon as somebody's like a later person, it is hard, a lot harder. Like, you know, you have to wait. Like, obviously they can get in touch with a lot of other agents during that process. Um, You know, you log into your CRM and you're calling the person and it's like the ninth time you've called and they've never answered. Like, how pumped are you going to be? Not very. (laughs) So it's, it's tricky. This is why what I recommend for that type of stuff is what's called behavior-based follow-up. So like if I'm going to dial for dollars on the 6, 12, 18-month leads, you just put one step in front of that, which is do some marketing so that some of those folks will identify, you know, kind of like your blast text, like do a mass email that says, uh, if you're still buying a home, look at like, check this one out, right? And then if anyone opens it, you know, they basically kind of proved a little bit that they're more interested than most. Or like, if you haven't hold your, if you haven't sold your home yet, 
read this. Right. Like, and, and try, try and, to through. yeah. And then anybody that opens that is a good prospecting opportunity, especially the ones that click through. So it's sort of like, don't think of it as how long the lead's been in the database. Think of it as when's the last touch with the lead. And right. if the last touch is today, treat it like the new lead. <laughs> you know what I mean? And in fact, like some of those are better than new leads because they're six or 12 months. They have that Zillow seasoning that you're mentioning. Mm -hmm. Plus they're raising their hand because they're back searching again. They're opening a listing alert, et cetera. So I would just say, you know, have the enthusiasm that you would have when it's a new lead. If it's an old lead that did something recently, because it's just as good, if not better. Awesome. All right, number four on our list, conversation starters using listings. So I think, you know, what we see a lot is I got a new listing, I copied the, the link address from the MLS and I throw it out on all my social media channels. Or maybe I have a marketing automation software that auto posts stuff to my social channels. Mm -hmm. How can we make that better? Yeah, I mean, I always think like what's better than nothing, right? So, you know, if you have something that posts your listings automatically and, you know, the alternative is nothing, you know, I'd probably say go for it. Right. Right. But a listing is such an important asset. Like every listing you take has the opportunity to convert several of your old leads to. Right. Yes. The difference is if I say, Hey, and this is kind of the kind I get a lot from agents just listed description from the MLS, a few photos of the listing, click through to, to read all the details, you know, something like that. And people will do that and they'll click through. But what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to say, you know, conversations create customers. So if I can take a listing and say, hey, 24 hours from now, I've got a listing that I'm required to put in the MLS. But if you respond right now, <laughs> because you're still interested in buying a home soon, this place is amazing. It's got these amenities. Like, you're going to love it. I can send you the pictures, the price, the location. And you can have access to that, you know, b before people on Zillow and everywhere else start pouncing on it. Especially in the market we're in right now. That's, you know, yeah, the messaging of the moment for sure. And so then all of a sudden, you're not even really thinking about the open rate or the click-through rate because you're just getting like a, a legit reply that says, hey, Connie, thanks for thinking of us. We'd love to take a look at it. We are still uh, in the market to do something. So, and then you could rinse and repeat. You could say, you know, there's an open house. I'm not sure if it's for you, but the place is really cool. You know, I'll be there too. It's probably gonna have a line out the door. You know, if you're interested, tell me, and then I'll send you the thing. So right. it's, it's sort of just putting a wedge between like, it's called creating an information gap. So it's like, here's the information that I have, but I don't really want to waste your time and give you all of it unless you say, yes, I'm interested. Right. 
fundamentally a different way to promote a listing than the whole industry does. And it's amazing how often that leads to more conversions. Maybe not for that listing. They haven't even seen it. It might not even be in their wheelhouse, but it doesn't matter because now the conversation's going again. Hey, here it is. If you don't like that one, I'll send you a couple others. Like I see that you're looking in this area and this price range. Is that still correct? You know what I mean? Yep. So yeah, it's, it's, it's pull versus push, like pull them into a conversation. Don't push out everything to them. And you can do a little bit of both. You know, you can send it out in all its glory with all the pictures and this and that, but how many people are replying to that when you do it now? You know, very, very few. My guess is, my guess is almost none. Yeah, probably zero. Yeah, exactly. All right. And then the last one on our list, number five, is the double tap, which here in Texas means something totally different. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I love zombie land. I'm yeah, exactly. Huge fan. So let's talk about the double tap. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, this kind of goes back to a little bit of what we talked about earlier. We're just, you know, texting is so much more effective than email. If you look at the data, email open rates from our industry are between 18 and 20%. SMS open rates across the board are, you know, 95% type uh, statistics. So the double tap is basically saying when I kind of go from both angles, they both become more effective. So as an example, I'm creating CMAs and sending them out to a couple handful of past clients as a way to hopefully, you know, get a listing. So I would, I would create the CMA and I would send over the email with the CMA, right? Or the video with it, whatever right. it may be. But then I would immediately go and text them, say, Hey, you know, Hey, John, I just emailed you a CMA. It's got this, this, and this in it. Let me know if you have any questions after you look at it. Because, so you're basically saying, I know you're not paying attention to your inbox right now, but there's something that's actually really valuable that I spent some time on that I think you're going to love in there. Take a look at it, right? Same thing with a listing. If you send a listing, you would can go and text the lead and say, hey, I just sent you a listing. Let me know what you think about it. It's in your inbox, right? So it's sort of like, you're tapping them on the shoulder through text to tell them that you tapped them on the shoulder with an email. And it, it is one of the most effective ways, you know, to a get them to go in and actually look at the email. But now that there's this text message now, like it's not an email back and forth. It's more of a text back and forth, which is clearly closer to a call and, and an appointment, stuff like that. So we actually did a, uh, a huge client event called the seller sprint where, you know, every curator client was pounding the phones and, and doing certain marketing and advertising and sales activities in an effort to get appointments. And what we found was that like, when you do text, email, and phone, we were at like about a 14% conversation rate. So about 14 out of every hundred we would have a, a conversation with when you did one of them, it would be like 3%. It was like right. crazy different. And then, you know, about 10% of the conversations led to appointments. So it's like, okay, yeah, 1.4 appointments for every 100 dials, right? So it's like, 
I make 100 dials, 14 people answer, 1.4 set an appointment. If I do that daily, it's five appointments a week, it's 20 appointments a month, or obviously if the person that works for me does that daily. That's my other point. Right. But yeah. um, So it was fascinating to see like basically about 5X higher conversation rate when it's a call, a text and an email versus the people that just pounded the phones or the people that just mass emailed kind of using them cohesively really was effective. Well, and I told you when we were kind of doing the prep for this call that I love this idea because it makes it seem personal mm-hmm. as opposed to automated. I'll send out an email sometime from my CRM mm-hmm. and a buddy will respond and be like, is this real chance or is this robot chance? Like yeah. which one is contacting me today? Right. Um, and so I think that when you, even if it's automated, even if it's mm-hmm. done in an automated fashion, you send the email out and then you send the, the text out and it's all coming from the same place. Mm-hmm. It just makes it seem like, I actually care about you and I'm sending you this. And I really think it's important for you to take a look at it. Yeah. And clearly you don't want to be the boy who cries wolf on that either. Right. So it, it can't be like every email you send, you, you double tap, right? It's more, uh, I would say doing it when it's more personalized, more high value. Like if you actually email uh, you know, a ticket to a client event because you rented out Top Golf and it's open bar and you know you're going all out. Like that probably would be a good time to say, "Hey, I wanted to make sure you don't miss what's in your inbox. We're doing this thing at Top Golf. I'd love you to be there." You know, yeah. so it, it it's funny. There was a when I did Kickstarter years ago, we crushed it on Kickstarter. You know, seventy three thousand dollars for a book, right? Like, eight years ago, right? Like it it was crazy that that happened. I studied, uh, it was a case study Tim Ferriss put out about this company that basically killed it on Kickstarter. And the email that they sent to their whole list that like got like an 85% open rate, even though it went out to, you know, a massive email list, it was life-changing announcement, all caps. Okay. That gets your attention. I wonder, I already want to read it. You got to open that, right? But man, what's in that message really matters. So like I did use that one because for me, the, the, the idea that I was an author, it, it, and the, like, it was a life-changing announcement. Like I have a book and Gary V wrote the foreword and like, so like I'm an author, like, thank you guys. This is, this is like a life-changing moment to become a published author. Yeah. You know, so it felt fair to make that claim. I have never sent another one like that chance. You know what I'm saying? Like, absolutely. Like if maybe like, let's say curator is acquired, you know, for tons of money and, it's this sort of pop the champagne, like, holy shit, we put in 10 years and, you know, we had a, a really amazing outcome, kind of like dot loop, right? 108 yeah. million bucks from Zillow, you know? Yeah. So if something like that happens, break it back out. Absolutely. Life-changing announcement. I, I just sold my company, yeah. right? And because that, there are these milestones where it really matters. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. So 
To recap, we have retargeting with dynamic listings. We have retargeting with branded ads. Mm -hmm. We've got using artificial intelligence and really just leveraging the power of other people doing your lead conversion, uh, whether that's a chat bot or we talked about ISA companies, text companies, things like that. Uh, we just started about how we use our listings to actually get conversations started, mm -hmm. which I think is enormous because I say it all the time here at our brokerage. I say it when I talk to people and when I'm training mm -hmm. that I think that the industry has set some very unrealistic expectations mm -hmm. of what prospecting is. Yeah. And I think that because of that, people automatically don't want to prospect mm -hmm. because they feel like the only way they win is if they get an appointment or they get a referral and nothing else counts because mm -hmm. that's kind of what the standard industry training has taught us. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a big fan of if you can just start that conversation up, mm -hmm. that's the key, right? Uh, and then last but not least, we talked about the double tap, which is, you know, mm -hmm. sending, sending the message out in two separate ways. So yeah. that is our, our top five with Chris on uh, converting internet leads, digital leads. Yeah. Well, it's exciting. I mean, if we, if we were to record this, you know, even six or seven years ago, it, the, it would be totally phone, text, email. Yeah. Right? Totally so different. The fact that there's retargeting and listing retargeting and, you know, chatbots and AI and services that'll follow up for you. Like it, it, it is really exciting. That's why I wrote the article because it was kind of like, man, like, I'm the conversion code guy, right? There's some new stuff that's clearly making converting leads easier and more fun and better. So sort of a mini update to the book. Uh, awesome. Happy to share it. Thank you very much. So I got to ask you our, our bonus question that we ask everybody that comes on the show. Great. What's your favorite business book? If you had to refer one and not one, not one that you've written, <laughs> but if you had to refer one business book to somebody to read, what book would it be? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, I would, in an environment like this, I would never recommend my own, especially because <laughs> I've already done a great job recommending it, uh, which I appreciate. There's a couple that come to mind when you ask that. Yeah. Uh, that, I, <clears throat> that I would say like a, a little bit of a caveat would depend on what are you, what are you trying to accomplish? Okay. Sure. So if you want to be the sort of hyper-local, famous, personal brand, social media, selfie king, video marketing, tiktok in it, right? Like yep. it, it, if your goal is to use your personal brand to build your business, I don't think there's really a better book than Crush It from Gary Vee because and it's been updated you know several times and now he has a sequel called crushing it but the the original crush it yep. for me was sort of like wow there's other people that are like building a big business because of their personal brand and you know i don't have the stats on everyone that's sort of gone from influencer to business owner but i think i'm in a pretty high echelon of like turning a blog into a massive business. Yeah, absolutely. You are. Most people aren't able to turn that corner. They might become a consultant, an advisor, a speaker, an author, but they don't all sort of make the ink list by owning a SaaS company. Right. So that for me was sort of like the Bible uh, for that era of like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it right. There's other people doing it. And he talks about platforms and strategies, but it's great. The other one I would mention is if if you are trying to build more of what I would call a business business, like a business that's 
massive and successful and modern and well-known, but not sort of, you know, Gary V Inc., like Vayner Media. So if you want to build a business business, which in many ways is what Curator has become, it's not Chris and Jimmy Consulting, right? you know, then I would read a book that I bet no one's read that's listening called The Method Method. And it's, it's a brilliant book. It's like seven strategies that we used to disrupt the consumer packaged goods industry. So Method Soap, which is everywhere now. Yep. The idea that you can sort of overtake Unilever and Procter and Gamble and like actually get on the shelf in every aisle of every store that sells, you know, hand soap, dish soap, that is a big, you know, challenge to do. And they did it. And, uh, and it, and I, the, the things that they used to accomplish that goal are basically sort of principles, ideologies, tactics that, any business can apply. So it's like obsessing about design, right? Uh, and, and making design. Because you think about the method soap, you think about the bottle, like it Bottles, looks yeah. different. So it's like they obsessed about design, they obsessed about like the, the customer in the sense that they actually care about the things that go into the soap. You know, like people care about the bleach or tested on animals and some of that stuff. So it's like community uh, and there's, there's five others, but the method method is really good. I have not read that one. I'm going to have to check that one out for sure. Awesome. Well, Chris, thank you, man. I know that your time is valuable. I appreciate you coming on the show today. This was amazing content. Uh, I hope that you, our viewers watch and take some of this stuff and start plugging into your business to help you grow a successful real estate business. Uh, And I'm just, Again, just want to say thank you for everything you've done for me over the last decade plus. Uh, wow. Just by have, just by being free in, in all the sharing that you do, you know, I think that that's uh, that's an extra special thing. It's one of the reasons why I do this show is because I'm not clever enough to come up with my own shit. So I, you know, <laughs> whether it was tech savvy agent or now, I steal yours. Yeah. Um, and so you know, we want to give it. We want to give it back to to the people who can use it and and just elevate the industry because of that. So I appreciate you, man. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) 